Welcome to Sober Company, a podcast about modern sobriety. My name's Nick. I'm Lacey. And this week we're going to talk about mental health. Love it. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to talk about some of the episodes that have been coming out. We've been posting episodes and this is like a thing that's actually out there in the world now. Correct. And one of the episodes that just got posted was entitled Coming Out. Mm-hmm. And I felt the need to like actually do some of the things that we were talking about in that episode when it, cause we're talking about coming out and how people talk about it on social media, mm-hmm. on Instagram. And we set up an Instagram account. Yep. So all this stuff is out there. And, uh, so I posted on Instagram for the first time about recovery and being sober, mm-hmm. you reposted what you had posted in the, uh, sober company podcast account account. Yep. And it was sort of terrifying for me. Like I felt like when I was posting it, my hands were getting all sweaty. My heart was beating. Uh, it was definitely like a different experience than telling people in real life. Face to face. Yeah. You have less control, I guess. Yeah. Face to face. Or at least you can get a reaction face to face when you tell somebody. Yeah. You don't know what someone's reaction is if they just read yeah. it. And, yeah. And I told my mother about this podcast and I then started telling other family members about being in recovery, about this podcast and other projects I'm working on, we're working on. That was also difficult for me, but really meaningful. And it's given me a lot back. I can just tell like I'm a better mood in general all the time mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. Which is really interesting. What about on Instagram? On Instagram, I put it in my profile, which felt safe to me and felt like what I wanted to do. Okay. I actually like, so yeah, the work thing was like a big thing for me, but there's like a site actually that Google had put up that's all about recovery. And during like national recovery month, there was all these stories that they put on this site called, Mm -hmm. uh, recover dot with com, And there's like all these stories of people telling about their like stories from recovery. And there was one person who was an employee telling their story. There's the other guy, Ryan Hampton. Right, that we're fans of his. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And you actually saw him speak at the conference. State conference, right? yeah. And so, you know, actually like listening to those people and them telling the reasons why they came out and did this, you know, it's because it's about like getting rid of the stigma around the stuff and just having like open conversations, you know? Like even Ryan said in his clip that we talk about addiction a lot. We don't talk about recovery a lot. Mm-hmm. Recovery is really still like kind of a silent thing right. out there. You know? Very personal. Yeah. So it's, but it's difficult. I got a lot of inspiration from those types of people just being out there and doing that. That gave me the confidence to kind of do it too. So shout out to those people and shout out to people who are like that, that are just out because there's so many people on Instagram that are like that too, that are just like mm-hmm. out there about it. And I think it's great. And so I'm glad to be out there too. You I know, think, you know, yeah. And you know what I like about that is that you were nervous and you sought confirmation and you, you sought information you needed to make yourself feel better. Yeah. You went and searched for things that you knew would kind of bolster what you were already feeling. Oh, yeah, so sure. that's kind of self-care. Yeah. So that I like that. Oh, I like good. that you had that impulse. I I'm think that's that really smart. It, yeah. yeah. And I also just sat with it too. Mm-hmm. Sat with like the uncomfortability of it. Right. And like, I don't feel uncomfortable anymore. Yeah. You allowed yourself to feel those feelings. So it was great. It was a really good exercise in those whole sorts of things. And 
you know, I think like doing this podcast and all the stuff that we're doing, there's going to be more uncomfortable moments coming yeah. up because it's just not the normal way that I've been going about my recovery, you know? Yeah. This is I, different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it felt really good. I think we both kind of broached our big steps, big mm-hmm. steps in our coming out. Mine was more speaking to my family and yours was more coming out on Instagram. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Sorry. Like, sorry, I, think, like yeah. I think we both had. Coming out on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we both had our own kind of milestones. Yeah. And I, and I know that it, it just feels really good not to have to separate your lives. Like, because when I was speaking to people and they're like, Oh, what's up? What are you doing? I couldn't, I wasn't speaking about like a large portion of what I'm excited about and what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, I was leaving a lot of that out. And now when my mom calls me and we have conversations, like we can talk about actually like what I'm working on. And that's so cool. Yeah. Not that she knew I was sober. I just, I hadn't told her all the, you know, about the podcast and stuff yet. It's just nice to be able to be fully me. Yeah. And that feels really good. So what did you think like when you told her and she, I feel like you got a reaction that you weren't expecting. She was very supportive and excited. Yeah. And she could she said she could hear the excitement in my voice and that's what really sold her on stuff. And I think she also understands the need for more voices of recovery to be out and open in the world. So yeah. It was, it felt really good to be so supported. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So in the spirit of that and being open, you know, about recovery, a big part of like my recovery has been my mental health. I think addiction and emotional issues and mental health that all kind of collided with me from like a very young age. I struggled with like depression. What age Um, do you think you started feeling that way? I mean, ever since I can remember, I've always like tended towards like the depressive side of life. I think especially like, of course, like in my teenage years, but I was really like diagnosed in my teenage years. And that's when I started taking medicine, you know, around like 15 years old. Was there something antidepressants? Was there something that led to that particularly? Uh, Yeah, there was an incident that happened. And yeah, basically after that incident, that's when... um, I went to go see medical professionals mm-hmm. to kind of get diagnosed around that issue. Right. And did you like, did you like your experience with the professionals? Did you feel safe? I don't, I don't know. It was like a weird, it's a weird thing when you get diagnosed with something mm-hmm. and then they give you medicine to do it, you know? And I was so young at that time that I feel like, young. you know, I just took the medicine. That's what my parents like right. made me do, Yeah. you course. know? Yeah. And I think it probably made me feel better. I can't really even remember, but I think like it also was this thing that I was much like you, you know, rebellious and being Mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want to take these meds. It's going to make me act, you know, conformist, you know, robot or whatever. So there was always that part of me of being like, this is stifling like who I am. Do you think that's true? I, I mean, now I don't, I don't necessarily think like that, but when you're a 15 year old kid, like, yeah, you know. I thought like I wasn't going to be myself taking these meds, you know? Well, I also think people are always telling teenagers and kids not to do things. Don't do this. Don't do that. And the way the things that they're not, they're told not to do are lots of forms of Mm self-expression. So I could see how if it's making you behave in a certain way, that's more, like you said, conforming or polite or whatever, acceptable to society. It feels like you're just, it's just another way of telling you not to be yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, I was doing that stuff for a while, but it was like in college, I was like, fuck this. I don't want to take this shit anymore. And I think it's like when you get off those things, there's definitely those drugs serve a purpose for mm-hmm. you. And I've, I, I talked about that book, Lost Connections before, like, yeah. and it talks about depression and it talks about the role of like medication. And it's not like a cure all. Definitely. There is like some sort of state where like, you, you feel like, I don't know. I don't know the science behind any of this, but I do feel like there are some people that are born on just maybe a higher level of emotion, I guess, you know, and you just operate not as depressed as somebody else, you know, like my baseline feeling is like depression, right? Like that's your norm. That's like the norm. You know what I mean? So I need like a little pick me up to get to like just baseline because then I can do like self-care activities like I do now, like meditate and go to the gym and eat right and things like that, you know? That's, I remember when my therapist put me on meds, she explained that exactly to me, that basically if everybody's kind of quote unquote norm is one way, you're under it. And so it's just bringing you to that norm as opposed to bringing you above the norm, which I think a lot of people think antidepressants do. It's just bringing you to a level that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I didn't actually realize that looking back now I can see like, oh yeah. I actually like got to a level where I could like operate because I wasn't really like going crazy with it, you know, Yeah. With like drugs and alcohol the way I was when I got off that medicine. Because then it's just like you get into that feeling where it's just like, man, I feel really bad. This is going to make me feel better, mm-hmm. you know. So they talk about like self-medicating right. with substances. And I think I totally did that for a very long time because I just was just like. I don't believe this, you know, this diagnosis or like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be somebody cool. I want to have a certain lifestyle. I want to be a certain person. Yeah. And that, that diagnosis isn't that. So. Yeah, exactly. So I like looking back on it now, I feel like a lot of my substances, that abuse that was happening was because I wasn't taking care of my mental health. Right. Like I was just like not in, uh, I wasn't operating in a way I was actually taking care of myself, you know? Right. Yeah. And when you're not taking care of yourself, you feel like doing bad stuff to yourself. Yeah. There is that self-harm component of drinking and using is, is, uh, is a large part of it. Of yeah. just wanting to obliterate yourself. Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm a piece of shit. Fuck Why it. not? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Ugh, that's a terrible feeling. I don't often, there's certain parts of conversation. Like I don't remember what it's like to be in active use anymore like on a like I can't go there easily remembering what that's like but every once in a while there's certain conversations I have that bring me right back there and that just kind of belief of just wanting to like obliterate I I can tap into that oh yeah yeah so yeah I feel really bad about that time period in my life because I just didn't like love myself and I didn't like respect myself you know yeah. And getting into like a like a very serious relationship right, with another person, I think right. it was really unfair to her. So I feel really bad about that, you know? Well, I think you both were going, you know, she had her own journey too. Yeah. So. No, for sure. But, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I couldn't do that. You were that so period, young. You know, because you don't know. But, you know, yeah. But now I can see like you have to like take care of yourself and like love yourself and be yes. like an okay place with yourself. And like, you know, you may have to be on medicine in order to do that. Yeah. And there's not, I don't feel like just like the stigma around like addiction and stuff like that. There's a total stigma around mental health, Huge. you know, but I think it's actually cool. I know you, 
people have like whatever views about like Kanye, but like, I think like it's cool that he came out and started talking about stuff like that and like Kid Cudi. And there's like all these people in that community that was right. like big role models for me because like nobody in rap music would talk about mental health like that and just do like sad rap, you know? That's awesome. I didn't know about that. I mean, I know about Kanye because. God, yeah, but like not. a lot of his stuff, if you like really listen to the lyrics, it's like emotional stuff that he's talking about, mm -hmm. which is not a macho like male thing to do. Right. You know? Yeah, that 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 has to. So I think like that album, like 808 and Heartbreaks, that was an emo album, you know? Uh -huh. And emo used to be like a thing. You have your hair in thing, your face. But then like. It was like a total like, yeah, that was like an emo thing. And those kids are like emotional. But I, that was depression, right? Yeah. I think emo and the hair in the face is. Yeah, I think there's a there's huge stigma around mental health stuff. And it's interesting to me because I forget about it sometimes be, that there is a stigma around it because we our circles are filled with those people. And we talk about it pretty openly in our circle of mm -hmm. friends about specific diagnosis and meds we use and all of that even if even at with my friends outside of my program we talk about oh well I was on Wellbutrin and now I'm on Lexapro and da, 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 da. you know like we go through our like meds you do oh yeah yeah with my even with my non-sober friends it's kind of a, a regular oh and how do you like your therapist and all of that it's a regular topic of conversation one of my friends was like oh this is this is your 30s your 30s are talking about what prescriptions you're on and what how do you like your therapist oh so you think that's like a normal thing you don't think there's like a stigma around it no i do but i'm just saying my community of people that i surround myself with and i surround myself with them on purpose is because they're loving and understanding and they're at my level yeah but outside of that there's still a huge stigma yeah yeah, I don't think I ever really, you know, talked about it openly with people. And mm -hmm. I guess that's why it's like bringing up some discomfort right now. Yeah. Talking about it, yeah. you know. And it's also just admitting not in the same way as like addiction or it's like kind of all this stuff, like even with addiction and mental health, it's kind of saying like there's a flaw with me and I need something to fix this flaw mm -hmm. instead of just being this is the way I am and that's really cool, you know. Right. And I think like addiction which I think is considered a mental health thing. It it forces you to do work on yourself and it forces you to educate yourself and it forces you to know how to treat yourself well, having to work out, having to eat well, all of these things affect yeah. your mental health. I think it makes you a more interesting person and it kind of, it forces you out of your comfort zone, right? Because you know you have to do a lot of self-work. Yeah, and I think people potentially, and I've said this to you before, who don't really have to struggle about anything like that, they end up just living their lives. And I'm making a sweep, sweeping statement here. Yes, not everyone is like this. But a lot of the times, if you don't have something that really pushes you out of your comfort zone, you stay in your kind of mundane way of ignoring the little discomforts throughout life and you never really have to force yourself out of mm, that right yeah. if i go home now and i'm watching tv every night after night and eating really unhealthy or whatever or in an unhealthy relationship and i just think that that's what life is and that's what i deserve if i didn't have addiction or mental health to kind of push me out of that shit because i have to because i'll kill myself mm -hmm. literally if yeah. i you know like those things have forced me to live a better life. Yeah, for a sure. A more interesting life, a more compassionate life, yeah. more connected life. Yeah, but sometimes I'm like, why the hell do I have to do all this work all the I time? Know, you know what I mean? I've been really... therapy since 15 years old, you know? 
Yeah. And so like that time period in my life where I was off the meds and not doing that, that was some hardcore like drinking substance abuse years. Yeah. You know, you were, you were suffering. Yeah. Then when I like, when I like, you know, five years ago when I started really trying to get off of this stuff, that's when I got back on the medicine. And so I've been taking the medicine since that time. Right. And I've kind of in a place now with my recovery that I feel like, and I've been having conversations with my doctor about this is just, yeah, we should talk about me getting off these meds. I think even, you know, for the last two years, I've been, we've been trying to like come up with a treatment plan Mm -hmm. that I don't have to take these medicines anymore. Yeah. But I don't even know what that is about. Like, why don't, like, why why? do I have to get off the medicine? I don't know. The only thing I can think of, it's like when I, I'm like, should I be on birth control? Should I not be on birth control? It's like. I, I stopped taking cause I'm like, I don't want these foreign things in my body and making my yeah. body do things. But, and then, but then like my periods get really bad and all this other stuff. Why am I forcing myself through that? You know, it's, it's like a constant conversation, but that's not my mental health. That's just like me dealing with. Yeah, me. no. So but it's gotten to this point. Not that like, you know, we were talking about lifting yourself up in a baseline, but I'm doing like so much good mental health activity yeah that almost feel like awesome all the time and am i feeling like extra awesome because i'm taking these medicines you know i bet you're feeling extra awesome because you know how to take care of yourself you're You're getting in a really good you're doing a lot of meditation yeah you're eating better you're exercising a lot so you you know i bet that's like lifting you you're at the norm right you're at your basis and all of that really good routine is pushing you out is pushing you but you know even like with the meditation maybe this has something to do with it and i know even in aa not like everyone in aa is like this but you know the party line is like you should take medicine those aren't considered substances right but there are some like hardcore people that that are like don't believe in that and you shouldn't be taking stuff you know and even in meditation circles it's kind of like can you really get to the deepest level of meditation if you're on something a medication. Yeah, I think that's getting a little judgmental. It's all super judgmental, but those are thoughts that come up. Yeah. You know? And it's like, maybe I can't actually get to enlightenment if I'm on some antidepressants, you know? Yeah, I think you need to take care of yourself because otherwise you're not going to be able to sit and meditate and, you know, and no, for be sure. in the space to for even sure. get there. Yeah. So, like, I've ratcheted down. I'm, like, on the lowest level right now. Of that's the thing. great. I mean, you know, you're working hard to get there. I yeah. think that that's like a good place to be. Yeah. So I don't know. This is just where I'm at mm-hmm. with it. And it's something that like I struggle with because there have been times like even now that I've tried momentary periods where I get off the medicine Yeah. and I can feel like the depression coming back. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. In a subtle way, not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. But that's how it begins. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how any like all right. of these things begin smaller subtly yeah you know and then they take on a life of its own and then pretty soon oh fuck dude i really want to drink again or do something you know yeah and it just creeps up on you it's true so then it just becomes this thing where i have to be like so hyper vigilant yeah about i have to eat this and i have to exercise every day oh i skipped going to the gym today i'm gonna you know yeah and you live in this kind of like fear and then when i'm taking the the stuff is just kind of like i take it and it's like i don't even have to worry about it Mm -hmm. you know so anyways, it's a process. And I think actually reading that book, Lost Connections, is kind of... Because the guy in that book talks about how he's been on medicine for years and then he got off the medicine. Oh, and so And he did all feel. these other things because he... And it's like different because in that book, he's talking about like people just take the pill and that's all they do. You oh, know? right. 
And he's talking about, it's called lost connections because a lot of it is the connection with people is the thing that... Community. Yeah. Community is the thing that eradicates depression. Yeah, I can see that. Connection. Having understanding, having empathy, having authentic conversations with people. Yeah. Or just not having to like sit in your apartment alone. Right. You know? Like a monk. Yeah. I mean, well, now I choose to do that. <laughs> Because I like doing it. But when I first moved to New York, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I tried to like meet people. Right. But it's hard to meet people, you know? It is. Yep. Especially if you're trying to get sober. Oh, God. Well, I guess, yeah, we met each other from recovery. Well, yeah, I started going to recovery. But when you're in depressed state, that's like the hardest thing to do because you don't even want to leave your apartment. You don't want to go. I don't. First time I went to a recovery meeting, do you think I wanted to be there? Yeah, yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And then you go there and like, I don't know. I don't know. All these people, they're all talking to each other. I don't want to introduce myself. The worst. So Yeah, it can be very awkward. So I really feel for newcomers. It's true. Yeah. So what was your experience (laughs) with with situational depression? Yes, I had situational depression. When I was in deep active use towards the end, I just got very lonely and very couldn't leave the house kind of stuff yeah luckily I had a dog still have her you know she helped me get out of the house more I think I was I was working from home which made it worse Mm. and it just got worse and worse and the anxiety and the depression became you know we're hand in hand Mm. and so writing an email or having a phone call or anything like that just became very overwhelming for me Mm. going out in public having to have conversations just got very it, it felt like I couldn't do any of it. I don't know. I was definitely, when I was a drinker, I was a, a very sad drinker. You know, I would, I'd get pretty sobby. Mm. So I did go on Wellbutrin in the beginning. And then it became clear as I got sober and I had some sober time that anxiety was really my problem. And I still suffer from anxiety. It definitely comes up when there's something going on in my life. And it's so funny. Like, I won't even know it's connected, which is so silly in retrospect. But something kind of major will be happening. And it can be a very sad thing even. But it'll give me anxiety. So I feel it in my body. My heart will be racing. I feel like I have to, like, jump out of my skin. You know, my breathing gets short. You know, it's a very physical thing. Um, And, of course, I love coffee, which doesn't help matters. Or a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll just keep up my normal coffee habit and then I'll be experiencing anxiety and it just, like, goes through the But roof. is it something that, like, triggers your anxiety, like an event? or There it- are definitely different things and I'm, I'm getting better about learning. It's other people's behavior. Okay. Triggers my anxiety. Things that people will say or do from past, ex- that I think remind me of past experiences oh. will trigger my anxiety. Every once in a while it'll happen at work. The other day it did happen at work and I told my boss, like, yeah, you know, I suffer anxiety, so sometimes I'll need to just leave the building. Ah, uh, okay. So I'll do things like that. I'll go outside and go for a walk. Oh, and that's fresh good. Air. Yeah. yeah. But before, would that like drinking would be a way to cope with that? Yeah. Well, I have social anxiety. Uh. So that was definitely helpful for that, right? It's a social lubricant. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even, I wasn't even as aware of it, I guess, because I was always numbing the feelings. Yeah. That nervousness that, but I did have a couple panic attacks when I was in active addiction. Those are terrible. What is that like? You can't breathe, can't stop crying, can't breathe at all. My stomach 
like all the stomach acids would start going. I like ate away the stomach lining my the of my stomach, so like I couldn't eat anything. My stomach was always upset because I was so nervous. Damn. Because my stomach, you know, like that that feeling of your acids building in your yeah. stomach. So like I, I got to a point where I really hurt my stomach. Oh wow, that sounds awful. Yeah, and that was from a stressful job, but also because I suffer from anxiety. Yeah. So. But do you think it's gotten better? Do you think these things get better? Um, I think it gets better because it's gotten better for me through meditation and yeah. mindfulness. Has really helped me. Yeah, I could think I, with my depression too. I think that's totally right. And I've learned to respect it. Yeah. I think in the past I saw it as an annoyance and like something annoying about me. Yeah. And like something I had to deal with and ugh, like, can't we just get beyond this? And uh, like, I don't have time for this shit. And I've been, I read this book called The Confidence Gap. Mm -hmm. um, And it talks about fear and how to live with fear. Yeah. And fear is an anxiety. Anxiety is fear. Yeah. So it's a fight or flight response in your body. And it talk, and it's a mindfulness technique of living with those feelings and not trying to get rid of them. So when I have those feelings now, I kind of, I give them space. Mm -hmm. And this is what the book talks about, like giving yeah. them space and like literally picture giving them space in your body. And I also do something where I put my hands where I'm feeling it in order to be like, hello, like I, it's okay that you're there. Oh yeah. I almost like I, I now see it with respect. Yeah. Like I respect your presence yeah. as opposed to like, Oh, like just leave my body. I want to get out of this. Yeah. Stop, stop, stop. Now I'm like, okay, you're here. I respect you. Yeah. I think that's like a thing too. That's like a different way of like relating with it. Yeah. You know, in the way that you're talking about it, it's a separate thing from you. So it's no longer like I'm depressed, you know, it's right. more like, there is depression here and it's like you have space from it mm -hmm. you know you're still like aware of it mm -hmm. but you're not it right you know right and then that way you can actually like like you were saying you know make friends with it right and like welcome it right you know? right so i guess that's like what i'm thinking is that's a way to get over it but you know like now you're talking about there's no getting over it no like it exists you live you know? with it yeah you live with it yeah and Specifically with anxiety, you can you you can channel it. You can channel mm. it to give you energy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really interesting. Tell me about that. Because it's giving you fight or flight, right? So your body fills with cortisol and adrenaline, which can feel yucky. When I think about how my body feels, it feels icky. It's oh, like you don't like sticky, that feeling? Icky feeling. That feeling. Be, like, well, normal. Some. Well, because I. I. Because you have anxiety. Right. I can yeah. note it with bad stuff. Oh. So it's learning how once you respect oh, that's really it. Interesting. Once you yeah. respect it, you can channel it as something that like gives you wings, basically. Yeah, because that's how I feel, kind of, about adrenaline. And right. getting amped up. It's like, it's go time. Well, you've seen me angry before. I have. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a, the passenger seat of your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. And I, well, there was another time you saw me angry and I like what? couldn't go to sleep. When was that? It was at the refuge recovery conference. Remember oh, when oh. I landed and I couldn't stop talking? Oh, yeah. That was angry? That was anger. Oh, see, I interpreted that as like getting hyped. 
you know? Yeah, see, that was anger. I was angry. Oh, but that was like adrenaline. That was adrenaline. Yeah. And so it does. I do. But that was fun. I liked you when you were like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's fucking do this. Let's go. Let's fight some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like when I get really angry, it feels good. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. Like you channel that energy. Either you channel it like inward, which mm-hmm. is kind of the anxiety and the panic and stuff right. like that. Or you do it outward. Where you're gonna like, go. which can be, which that's the fight, right? Yeah, so that, oh, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. the anger, and that feels good to me. A lot of times, anger feels really good, but then I have that um, the hangover from it, where mm. I feel bad about it, and I feel guilty. Yeah, and that guilty thing—it's feeling guilty for not having control over yeah. my emotions, which I think I think my therapist has talked to me about. Like, it's okay to be angry. A lot of times, I'm angry. There's a good reason for it, and it's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't. You know, yeah. So it's so like helpful, like looking at this stuff. If I, I went to an intensive outpatient when I first started trying to get clean in yeah. San Francisco, and a lot of these, like when you start looking at the rehab places, a lot of them talk about dual diagnosis, which is a thing where you look at just not just the addiction, but you look what right. is the underlying cause of this. You right. know, I, I don't know. Like that was a term that I just heard when I started exploring those places. So I think it's not, it was a thing in the past where people didn't look at that. You know, they just looked at the one diagnosis of addiction and just treated that, you Jeez. know, so unhelpful. Yeah, it is. But you know, this is all just like a fairly new science, right. Yeah. Of treating addiction. We yeah. still don't really know how to do it. No. You know, it's, and a lot of the mental health stuff, a lot, you know, I mean, you know, like going to the doctor, a lot of them don't know, like you have to try medicine and sometimes it doesn't work yes. and you have to get on another one. And yes. it's like, it's not an exact science to any of this stuff, and, which is why like the me- medicine is like one component, but the therapy and talking about it and like the community stuff is one thing. And then just the self-care is another thing, you know? So there's like multifacets to this, like one thing. They're all like no complicated relationship. And it's getting more and more attention that what you eat is extremely effect you know that is a huge effect over your mind and honestly i started reading that book how not to die Mm. and it's basically the cure-all is vegetables unprocessed vegetables and i was doing that for a couple weeks and it just i felt amazing 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 I could just tell how how effective it is. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Oh, yeah. Like drinking water and eating vegetables is like the shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It also, yeah. Yeah. And it I, also helps you shit. I was, yeah, that was, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, it was. I mean, there's been studies specifically about how it helps addiction too, because yeah. it helps mental health. You know, anything yeah. that helps your mental health is also going to help you with your addiction. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great that there's, Lots of people talking about this stuff. It's hard to talk about your feelings or like people are like all also like I think when I and I think I even do this now, but like if someone's crying or something, it's like, oh, don't cry, you right. know, and just saying that right. as just like a thing to be nice. But right. like, in fact, like I catch myself now and I'm like, you need like space to feel, feel your those feelings, emotions. you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. yeah. And so. But I think that's just a normal thing that like people try and shut those things down. Yeah. You know? No, somebody I know was having an a lot of anxiety about something and I can't talk about this specific thing, but 
a lot of anxiety and crying Yeah, and as a woman. And I think she was feeling like, I can't feel this way because it's inappropriate. Yeah. But the reaction, the thing she was responding to was incredibly appropriate that she'd feel that way. Yeah. But you just feel like you have to shut it down and be a certain way yeah. to go through the world. And you have to remember that emotions are healthy and normal and part of who you are. And, yeah. and I think, you know, we're all told that we have to kind of just quiet that part of ourselves yeah. and not show it. So, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I don't, you know, even when you were saying like the thing that she was responding to was an appropriate thing to be emotional about. I almost think maybe there's no, there's no appropriate, you could be emotional over anything. Oh, right? that's true. Like, that's also a judgment, right? Because like yeah. when I like got off my meds, a few, I was literally like crying, like listen well, to Spotify. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, Like I'd be walking down the street just and like, fuck is wrong with me, you know? Wow. And then just like being like, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, there's emotions coming up and it's like, okay to like feel feelings totally. whenever, you know? Totally. And so now it's really cool that we have these spaces that we can go to where people give you enough room to just, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If there's emotions coming up, you can like just be, be who you are. That's like a normal human thing to do. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed talking about this with you. I did too. Those were very uh, uncomfortable at first, but it's always nice talking to you, Lacey. And I guess I got over it a little bit. It's still kind of uncomfortable, but that's just my feelings and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so i'll i'll take us out this time sure okay so we would love it if you subscribe to us if you would share our podcast with your friends if you would comment and rates that would be awesome you can find us on instagram at soberco podcast and our website is also sobercompanypodcast.com we will see you next week thanks for listening bye I think this whole episode is weird, man.